Welcome to the Everyday Church Podcast. It's a show designed to talk about how God can use small church, ordinary church, everyday church. Your hosts are Barry Littleford and Jordan Gorsey, two small-time pastors who think about this stuff a lot. And we welcome you to today's show. All right, and welcome to our very first podcast of Everyday Church Podcast. Welcome. It is, uh, it's exciting and this is all nerve-wracking all at the same time. This is the uh, very first podcast that we've done like this, where it's a, a discussion-based, leadership-based podcast. Um, as you would recognize, our, our title is the Everyday Church Podcast. And, and why we've titled it that is because we want to speak uh, leadership and vision and ideas and really have a general discussion about what, what are the ins and outs of just being an everyday church. Sometimes you might uh, be a part of uh, different networks where you see some of these mega churches. You see these huge churches that uh, are just doing incredible things and then you look at your church and it's completely different. And we kind of want to speak into the middle there. We're a part of the everyday church ourselves. We're not part of anything that is, uh, is, is too huge. And today we just want to uh, open up and introduce ourselves and, and really lay down a bit of the vision about what we want to do um, in these discussions. Um, so what we'll do is we'll introduce ourselves first. So um, I'll hand over to, to Barry Litterford, my co-host for today's podcast. And he's going to co-host. We'll give each other titles on the fly. <laughs> uh, but Barry, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, great to be a, a part of this. Um, uh, uh, my name is Barry and uh, I'm the minister at Gawla Uniting Church. But oversee um, not just the Gawla Church, but Sandy Creek and Williamstown Uniting Church as well as Malalar and Two Worlds Church. So I've got a breadth. I've got a church of over 100. I've got two churches uh, under 30 and two churches under 20. And so there is a gamut here, both rural and uh, and more metropolitan that I look after. Good fun. Yeah, I bet they've given you the uh, unofficial title of Bishop Barry. <laughs> Bishop Barry. <laughs> yes, I've got to thank the Church of Christ minister for giving me that. <laughs> it's a beautiful nickname. Uh, how, how long have you been in ministry, Barry? Well, I've been in ministry for a couple of decades, but formally as, as the reverend type person mm-hmm. for about 10 years. So it's been a, been a joy. It's been hard work, made lots of mistakes and uh, are working towards um, trying to find out how we can uh, do this thing called church in a really organic and natural way within the different communities that we find ourselves with. And so, uh, and you're a part of my team, yeah. and so we better in- introduce you as well, and uh, and let them know what you're doing because you're a part of one of the churches that I'm got leadership over. Uh, yes, I am. I, I am the the pastor at Malala Uniting Church, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful relationship, and it's an interesting relationship between Malala and Gawler. It's a a special relationship where we share resources, and I guess in a way, I'm a resource that Gawler is sent to Malala and I've been there for uh, over a year now. Uh, that's my first kind of official placement as um, in ministry and it's been a, a real joy. Um, but my, my, my faith journey has been quite brief. I've only really been uh, a part of the church and a part of faith since 2011, uh, but felt a really strong calling from God early on uh, to just do what God wants. Hang on, it's only 2016. Who was the crazy minister who, after five years of only being a, a Christian, gave you a job as a pastor? Uh, that'd be you. Thank you very much for, for grace. It really shows uh, the grace of God through how you lead. Thank you. 
uh, for giving me a go. <laughs> gosh, I'm sure other ministers would be re- listening right now and thinking, oh my gosh, Barry is an idiot. But we, we just give it a go. And I, I knew really early on that when I heard God's call, I had to say yes, or I'm not going to be living the life God had for me. That's right. Um, so I'm also a school chaplain at a couple of schools. I've been doing that since I came to faith. God just said, you're going to be back in the school you graduated from, and I want you to minister here. Um, which has been a great blessing working with people similar to my own age, uh, really trying to reinvigorate a school culture um, and now feeling the call to reinvigorate church culture as well. Well, I mean, one of the things that we want to do in this podcast is that, what do they say, nearly uh, 80 to 90% of churches uh, in Australia and even in America, I believe, are uh, under... 100 people as a normal congregation and and when you see these big churches with their lights and their glitz and their glamour and you know they've got a staff member for just about every ministry position you just sit back and you drool a little bit and and wish that it would be there but when you uh, get to be just a a normal suburban church how do you faithfully witness and see people come to christ and see, and see your church develop and grow, and what are the signposts for that over uh, a period of time. And, and so this podcast is really about us wanting to explore that. Uh, we yeah. don't think that there's much uh, around at the moment for you know a local suburban church who wants to get things happening and going, and, uh, but doesn't have the resources of a bigger church. Well, yeah, when I look at the mega churches and mainly the ones I see overseas, my eyes light up. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they have an afternoon tea pastor that just looks after the cakes and nibbles after the service. You know, they can employ, you know, multi-staff, multi-campus, multi-everything. It seems that it's it's in excess and they're working, Um, but it's a whole other world. You know, we're based here in, in Australia, in South Australia, trying to figure out how to do ministry here. And one thing that we've really learned is that there's just different cultures, that, that the Australian culture is completely different to what we see overseas, that the South Australian culture in particular is different again. And then you have to look down to where you are geographically in your state and think, well, how do I minister to those who are around me and what do they need? So you look at these mega churches, their capacity is through the roof. Whatever they can dream of, they can almost accomplish. Um, and we need to look at it and today we're going to focus in this episode on our capacity and our energy because one thing that we have learned uh, through trial and error and mistakes is that energy is precious Hmm. that you know you can have all the money in the world but if you don't have energy you can't use that money well Um, you can have all the resources in the world but if you can't have the energy to use the resources well then it's a waste energy is uh, one of the most important assets to a church um, right. And what we've experienced is each church has different amounts depending on how much they've done in the past, uh, depending on what the age of the congregation is, and whether or not they uh, feel the call of God to move forward. It's about that vision. If you've got vision, you've got energy. If you don't have vision, you're lacking in it. And a, and a lot of the um, everyday traditional churches um, you know, have between 40 and 60 people but they're all over 70 now Mm. and and have been doing roles within the church for a long time and so to come in and and suggest that maybe they've got to do things a different way is a a really difficult process Mm. uh, in which to go through and we went through that process with Malala didn't we when we first started uh, having conversations with them when they 
asked us if we could uh, step into their situation. Uh, what they were really seeking to do was to buy some energy. Yeah. And, uh, and so a 22-year-old lad like you, just buckets full of energy ready to go. But even then we found that focusing uh, energy on what is important, on what the capacity is of uh, 25, 30 people out at Malala, most of them either in retirement or heading towards retirement. How do we focus that energy well for the best outcome of what God wants to do? Mm. Well, being uh, placed out at Malala, there, it, was a, it was a steep learning curve for me. I had to really look at um, how I'm going to approach this. Because even before I got there, I was praying through how am I going to relate with them? What's going to be my approach? And there was the attempting, the, the, the very tempting approach of just steamrolling through, doing what I wanted and hope that they just grab on board and go with it. Um, but the first day that I was there, I realized that that just isn't going to fly. And I realized that God wasn't in that either. It's not about overthrowing old leadership. It's not about pushing people aside. Because um, if that was the case, it would be all my energy versus everyone else. And I'm going to lose. Um, and really, at the end of the day, God isn't going to be able to accomplish what he wants through me with that kind of leadership. Um, so I had to take a different approach. And that meant for the first year, I didn't really establish any new ministries, even though I had a long list of things and projects that I wanted to do and, and just these huge dreams and even calls from God to do things. And I had to really uh, really check myself and say, no, God, I know that they're for later on. And this year is all about getting to know where people are at. And actually, as the months rolled on, their veneer started to wash away and I actually saw how tired they were. Um, and it took almost a whole year to really gauge their energy and how much they had. Um, and once I took inventory of what they had, I was able to say, okay, if we have a list of 20 things that we should probably do with the energy we have, we have to do one at a time and they have to be established well. They have to be sustainable before we can move to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, when, when it comes to energy, uh, the, a lot of people don't realize that how uh, tiring the seven-day focus of the church is. Mm that every seven days you have a worship service. Mm. And, and when you don't have a minister like Malala, I d didn't have a minister at that stage, then that becomes a very taxing thing within the life of the congregation. And the United Church has done a, a lot of work at trying to uh, encourage churches that are, uh, are pointing more towards death than life mm. about how they can minimize the, the seven-day rotation that comes. But for a lot of churches, that seven-day rotation just takes up so much energy that they can't even focus on anything else yeah. other than just keeping the doors open on a Sunday. And I'm sure and I'm positive that that's not what God intended. Mm. When worship is meant to be a celebration, it's not meant to be taxing. Mm. Um, sure, there's a lot of energy that goes into it, uh, no matter what size of church you are. But if, you can, if you're only focused on that seven-day a worship experience and you have no energy for anything else that energy you've really placed your energy in the wrong place yeah yeah well when we came to Malala it was it was pretty quick to see that they're on life support that they were just rolling through the motions they weren't looking to expand they weren't looking to try many things new they were just keeping the doors open as long as they could and unfortunately with an aging congregation that's only going to last for so many years and then a, a church that was once had a long history you know becomes like every other church around around the area closed and and finished um so it, we had to really speak into that 
Um, and one of the, the most, uh, I think, energy giving things that leaders can do is bring about new vision. I, I think vision uh, trumps everything. I think when you have a leader that comes in and says, yeah, I see where we're at, but I believe that there's something else on the way. You know, it's actually allowing your prayer and your leadership to influence the reality of the church rather than the reality of what the church is doing right now to influence how you lead. So I, uh, we, we both spent a lot of time in Malala just saying that there's more coming, that there is a new day, dare a new season coming to this church and we have to believe in it. Uh, one of the things that uh, w was uh, confronting for them, as I said to them, um, over and over again that, that their best days are ahead of them not behind them and for an aging congregation they they kind of said no you're wrong and I said no you have to believe God's got something in store for us while we're all still here that we're going to be like wow this is the best thing we've seen and if you're coming into a church maybe new or you've been in a church for a while as a pastor or a, a leader actually speaking that life into them is an is an incredibly taxing thing for yourself because you've, you've actually got to buck the culture. Because mm. the culture says, we're going to close our door soon. Mm. Let's just prepare for it. Yeah. Even though in their hearts of hearts, they want the church to move forward. They want something new to be birthed. Mm. And so to come and speak into that culture takes a lot of your own personal energy to do. But not only that, to actually prove it, you've got to have some small wins. So yeah. you've got to look at something that's simple, that is easy, that will give you some small wins to give them some sign and some hope of life within them. Mm. And, um, and f for, for Malala, it was starting a youth ministry, wasn't it? Out of nothing. Yeah. Out of absolutely nothing. I had to come to the church leadership, the church council and sit them down and say, oh, I have a dream. And I, I want to share it with you. And it's, it's the vision of turning this uh, old Sunday school hall that is full of storage and rubbish, clearing it out, selling some of the furniture that we're hanging on to because it's traditional, selling it and using those funds to buy things that will change this space into something different. Um, and I saw there was tension, there, there, there was a bit of people hanging on to stuff, but in the end they, they caught the vision, they said, okay, we're going to give it a go. Mm. And we're able to, to sell some of the furniture, we're able to clean it, repaint it, and, and pray that the walls won't fall down because it was pretty old. And, and then I said to him, I'm going to start in a couple of months. I'm going to start up a, a, a very low-key youth group. Um, and I'm just going to put some flyers out. I'm going to buy some board games and we're going to see how it goes. And we did that at the back end of last year. So like I said, the first real two-thirds of the year was just having cups of tea, seeing where people are at, loving people. And then it was only at the end of that year where I said, okay, let's give something a go. Mm. And we, we tried it for, uh, I think, four or five weeks and we had uh, eight to nine kids roll on through. We had kids on the first day walking in and they just adored it. And um, I asked some of the old faithfuls from the, from the congregation to come and to serve the food and to play some table tennis. And they walked away encouraged. They said, oh my goodness, you opened the doors and people came in. Mm. Um, and for them, I had to reassure them that ministry isn't always that simple, but that that was uh, God's grace saying, you're trying, you're doing what I'm calling you to, I'm going to bless that. And that was a really rich experience there that has just snowballed over the months to come. And I, th I think we've, we made some very uh, clever choices in the fact we said, we don't want you to be youth leaders. Mm. We don't want you to do that. What we want you to do is we want you to come and sit in mm. as that 
that uh, other adult in the room yep. for protection and for safety, which is huge when you start a youth group. Mm. But mm. we didn't, weren't actually asking them to do a great deal, were we? No. We were just asking them to be present. Yeah. And, and they gravitated to that fact of being present. Mm. Um, that we weren't asking them to get down on the floor and be with the young people or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. But just come sit. You, I think I remember you saying, just come and read a paper. Mm-hmm. That will be fine. Let me do what I want to do, but I need yeah. more than just myself there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think that's very wise in, a, in a, a congregation that is struggling with energy, that whatever you start is really light on energy for the congregation. And I think when you started the youth ministry, that was that a deliberate focus that this would only take someone coming and sitting in a room. Yeah, yeah. And it opened people up. It was really using that language of you're in an energy deficit situation here. So how do you speak into that? Because the reality is even just legally, I needed someone with me. And there was no one uh, that was really there that was bursting at the seams for youth leadership. They weren't really feeling the call of God, but they wanted to see something succeed. Um, so that was, it was quite comical. I had the congregation laughing at the thought of just reading the paper in the back and bringing out some scones for the kids. Um, but it worked and it worked so well because they thought, well, I, I can do that. Mm. I, I'm sitting at home reading the paper. I can read the paper in the youth hall and I love making scones. I do that all the time. I can make some more. Um, and from that, I've seen a really great turnout of people filling out the roster because a really uh, dangerous level uh, avenue to take with this was just to say, here's a new roster, I need some people to, to help me lead this group. I would have had very little response to that because they're tired and I had to speak to the capacity that the church had because they have enough rosters just keeping the Sunday service going. They've got their morning tea rosters, they've got this, they're opening the door rosters, they've got the projection, they've got uh, worship leading and preaching and that alone was their capacity so i had to make sure it was minimal because what i knew would happen and i've been very pleased to see that it has happened is i've seen that as the kids come in as the success stories come in everyone's energy has picked up a bit and the roster is being filled out quicker and actually they're starting to play games they're starting to actually build a little bit of leadership within themselves in the youth group but it's about starting small and I think that's really crucial for anyone looking at starting maybe just a new ministry group a new discipleship or Bible study or whether you're going to a new church take some time check the energy check the pulse of the place mm. before you go in and if you're in a, a, a situation of energy deficit change how you lead because of it start using different language start taking things a little bit slower because if we go too fast, we're going to burn out the little energy that they have left. Yeah, it's, it's an important lesson that, that we've learned. Um, and it really doesn't matter if they're old people or young people. Mm-hmm. It, it really d- depends on how much energy they can give to the mission of God in the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm a firm believer that God gives us what we need for the time that we're in. Mm-hmm. And so it's about trying to formulate the ministry to the energy but once they start to see that God is doing something, all of a sudden the energy picks up. Mm. And even though we just asked them to come and sit and read a newspaper, they saw kids walking through the door. And so the next Sunday they were talking to everybody else about the fact, you know what, we had six kids mm. and they haven't had six young people walk into that church for, a, for a, you know, a, a, an activity in about 20 years. Mm. And so there was that excitement that comes that maybe God is doing something new. And as soon as that happens, 
there's a fresh wind that starts to blow, uh, blow through the place. But even when that happens, you've got to constantly keep your energy in check. And you can't sort of go, okay, they've got a bit more now and then just um, motor on forward. You've got to yeah. continue to realize that how much energy they have and how much capacity and lead to that capacity. Mm, yeah. Um, and there's a few other things that, that God spoke quite clearly to me in that season of life. Uh, one was that God said, if, you're gonna, if you are the energy of the church, because that was the reality, then you need to make sure that you're on the ball. Because what happens, it's very, very easy to, if you are only the energy that is being produced within the church, that, that you're going to get burnt out. And it seems to be a, a too common story to see people uh, going in with vision, going in with excitement and being fizzled and popped real quickly by the stresses of ministry, being um, having too much of a load on their shoulders. And God said to me very clearly, you need to be on the ball with your disciplines. You need to be on the ball with your relationships. You can't allow anything within your life to be out of sync here because then the ministry will be out of sync. Mm -hmm. And I felt that quite strongly and I had to actually change a lot of my routine to do that. And I was actually booking in more rest days. It was being really deliberate with my time because I knew that if I wasn't there, that ministry doesn't occur. And I am praying for the day that we actually have leaders, I uh, have a leadership team for this youth ministry. And I do believe that day is coming. But in the meantime, God was very clear that if you're going to be the self-starter of this, you need to make sure that you are really firm in your foundation of what's going on. And the second thing he shared with me was the word consistency. And that was huge because what, what had happened as I was sharing week after week this vision that God had given me for a new day and a new season and a new ministry within the church, I couldn't falter on that. I couldn't stop proclaiming that. I had to continue this almost momentum of positivity and energy as I led from the pulpit, as I led in meetings, as I led just catching up with people saying, we're in a really great spot right now, speaking life even when people's negativity started to creep in as well. Um, so I think that's really crucial for leaders as well. As they start something new, as they go against the grain of where churches are going to where they need to go, is they need to look at themselves and say, where is my capacity at? Where is my energy levels are at? And if they're low, take time, refuel. And because if you don't, the ministries are never going to take off. Mm -hmm. And the consistency of communicating life and, and, and what God is doing is crucial. Because if we have a week off that, it will actually change the momentum of what the people in the church are feeling. And if, and if you're in energy deficit personally, yourself, and you are the one bringing the energy, mm. then you're either going to break down um, mentally or physically, mm. um, and, and you're going to send the church backwards. So you're right, you have to keep on top of your disciplines, on top of your prayer life, on top of your scripture reading, on top of um, being in fellowship with the other Christians mm -hmm. that bring you life. Make sure that you're mentored well, and um, and and so that when you come at every opportunity, you're coming with as much um, energy as you possibly can, because you are the energy bringer mm. for this season. And it, well, that's our show for today. I think I hope that you've found it enlightening. Yeah, we're not really sure. I mean, this is our first podcast. Um, look, give us some uh, feedback. We're we're at openministries.net. Um, so if you um, want to hop on there and uh, send us an email, then uh, do that and we'll try to respond to them. Um, and also we'll look at be, be looking at setting up a Facebook page sometime soon yeah. as well. 
we're keen to um, to have discussion about what it means to be the everyday church, mm. uh, not the big fancy glitter, but just the nuts and bolts, earthy, down to um, down to earth sort of church. So um, until next time, we'll say goodbye. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Church podcast, where we seek to be a help to the everyday church. Our show notes can be found at openministries.net and you can also become interactive by liking the Everyday Church podcast Facebook page. We trust that you've enjoyed today's show.